0: How you doing Hills Baptists? It is great to be here with you. My name's Dave for those of you who don't know who I am uh, and it's a joy as always to be able to come and bring the Word. Let us know how you're going, let us know where you're watching from, Uh, like, share, comment, um, give us some amens. We're excited that you are here with us to gather as the church, the church, the assembly, the family of God together. Uh, God is good. God is good. Um, If you are tuning in for the first time in a while, we are in the middle of a series in the book of Jeremiah. It's been an awesome series so far. Uh, today, we're gonna come to Jeremiah chapter 18. Let me give you a real quick debrief of where where we've been and where we're going. Uh, for those of you who yeah, haven't been following along, we have Jeremiah writing at a time when Israel has been divided. We have the Northern Kingdom. We have the Southern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom has been overthrown by uh, the Assyrians in 722 BC, uh, which leaves Judah. And Judah is in a place that had been running from God. Um, We had King Josiah come in and restore worship and see some great things and now Judah is falling away and God has come to this young prophet, uh, a young man named Jeremiah with this hard, difficult word. When everyone else is preaching prosperity and peace, Jeremiah is preaching repentance and judgment. And uh, and God says, I'm gonna make you uh, an iron pillar, a bronze wall, uh, a fortified city. I'm gonna make you stand against this place and preach truth and declare a word against this city that they might repent and nobody listens. If you listen to Mark's word a couple of weeks ago, such a powerful word, no one's listening. No one's paying any attention and the nation of Judah is falling into disrepair About to be captured by the Babylonians. Um, But as we come in this place and we get to Jeremiah chapter 18, this nation that is rejecting God, falling into sin. And Jeremiah would be so despondent that no one's listening. And God comes to Jeremiah with this powerful Word. And I'm so excited to preach this this morning. I just believe really powerfully God's got a Word for you where you are at in this moment, in this season. I'm just going to, we'll get into the Word, then we'll pray and then we'll preach. Join with me, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 through 6 says this, This is the Word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does?" declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If you are in a house with some other people and you feel like announcing the title of my message to them this morning, you can turn to them and say, "Messed up, but in the master's hands. Messed up) but in the but in the Master's hands. Come on, let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You that Your Word is a two-edged sword. We thank You that You are mighty and powerful, uh, that Your ways are unsearchable beyond tracing out. We thank You that You have not finished with us yet. And Lord, we pray this morning for that reminder, Lord, that powerful reminder that You are not finished with us yet, that You are the potter, we are the clay. You are are the artist. We are the canvas. You are working in the world. And so Lord, we ask that you would speak. Father God, as always, may I step right out of the way. May you come and speak. May you declare your truth and your glory. May you speak to each and every person whose ears and eyes would come across this message, whether that be right now live, whether it be later today, whether it be three years from now, may you speak Boldly, may Your Spirit take these words and bring them to life in people's lives, we pray. We give it to You in Jesus' Almighty Name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So friends, the year was 1996, the location was Temple Christian College and I was in Mrs. Harton's Year 8 art class. And those of you who know me well, you know that I am not much of an artist. In fact, just the other day, I participated in a portrait drawing competition with my young daughter, Mabel, who is seven. And at the end of that portrait drawing competition, it was deemed that she was the winner. Now, I could claim bias on behalf of my beloved wife saying that she was being biased towards her daughter, but that would be to be doing her a disservice because the truth is Benji does not have a beard and uh, it would be unfair for me to say that when I drew a beard in my portrait, well actually didn't draw a beard but it looked like I'd drawn a beard on him, Uh, it was not a good portrait and Mabel won that duel fair and square and she's seven and I'm 37. Yeah I am. Almost 40 as Ben has just reminded me. I'm not much of an artist. And so when I stepped into this Year A art class many, many years ago, the same was true, if not worse. I was not much of an artist. And I remember there with Mrs. Harton as we are sitting down, expectant, knowing my uh, lack of capability in this area, a little bit nervous. Uh, and Mrs. Harton comes out and she threw some clay on the table. And she said, our work this term is Pottery. And so we had two tasks that she'd given us. One was to make an animal, the other was to make a bowl. And I remember as she sat there and she threw the clay in front of us and she started talking about pottery and what we were gonna do, I was like, fantastic animal, easy, I got this covered, elephant, right? I'm gonna make two big lumps, body, head, two flat bits for the ears, four little stumps for the legs and two rolled up bits for the trunk and the tail, no worries, done, straight in the oven, we're good. The bowl was a different story. And so I made this elephant, got it done pretty quickly and then came the bowl. And the bowl was, we had to get our piece of clay and we had to do what we had to do to it that she was teaching us. We had to throw that thing on the spinning wheel and we had to try and mould this bowl. And lo and behold, I struggled like you would not believe. Lesson after lesson, all I got was mess. The first time I threw that clay on, and I put my foot on that wheel, there's clay all over the room and it just went on and it got worse. And eventually after a few weeks, I sort of, tried to form something but it was just a mess. And then as the term rolled to a close, we put our animals in the kiln. So I put my elephant in the kiln and it fired up and it came out and the legs had fallen off and the trunk had fallen off and it was a mess and I was angry and I was frustrated and then I came to bring whatever this thing that I had in my hands that wasn't quite a bowl to the kiln. And just as I was about to get it there, you know what happened. It was a Lego Masters moment where right before the the moment of cooking this And turning into what it was created to be, it all fell apart. And I remember being so upset because I'm someone who likes to do things well. And so I went to Mrs. Harton, whose name was actually quite prophetic, I think. And I brought this to her, and I was just like, it's ruined. It's a wreck. It's stuffed. It's lost. I I can't do it. Fail me now. Like I was a bit of a drama queen, I suppose. And uh, and as I gave it to her, I'll never forget what she said. It was, it's one of those things that God has brought back to me over and over again. And she said this to me. She said, David, come with me. She said, nothing is unsalvageable in the right pair of hands. Nothing is unsalvageable in the right pair of hands. And I think because she'd seen me work, she took my mess and she threw it back on the wheel. And I remember just watching her just intently go to work on my mess and turned this thing into something beautiful, this bowl shaped into what I could never dream of shaping it into. Nothing is unsalvageable in the right pair of hands. I don't know about you, but I feel like preaching this morning. Come on. on. (laughs) Friends, God uses many, many images in Scripture to describe His relationship with His people. We see the image of the shepherd and the sheep. We see the image of the vine and the branches. We see the image of the husband and the wife. We see the image of the, the father uh, and his children. There's these beautiful images over and over again of how God relates to His people, protector, provider, lover, um, the, the one to, in whom we can trust. It's this amazing image. But I'm not sure if there is a more potent, powerful image than Jeremiah's Potter and the clay. It is a beautiful, beautiful image. You see, Jeremiah is despondent. Jeremiah is in a place, he is the weeping prophet. He is frustrated. He is confused. He is wondering where God is and why God is not acting. He's been faithful. He's been obedient. He's preached the Word God has given him to preach. And Judah is not listening. Nothing is changing. Nothing is happening. And in this midst of discouragement, God says, go down to the potter's house because I have a message for you there go down to the potter's house. And as we go to the potter's house this morning, I wanna show us just a few lessons that the Lord had for Jeremiah and the lessons that He has for us in our day in this season. Because as Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house, frustrated and confused, wondering where God is, I want you to see something in in verse two here. Uh, Sorry, verse three, he goes down, went down to the potter's house and the first thing he sees as he journeys to the potter's house, it says, I saw him working at the wheel. Friends, God is not idle wherever you are at, whatever your situation is, whatever you're going through, whether you, you don't feel like God is acting, like maybe you're sitting here right now and saying, well, God, I've prayed and I've sought You and I've been reading Your Word and I've been going to church and I've been fasting. I've been doing all the things You've called me to do, but still You remain silent. Where are You, God? Why are You not coming through in my situation and my season? Here's the promise of God to Jeremiah. God is working at the wheel. He is not idle. Just because you can't see Him doesn't mean that He's not working. Just because you'd think there is no way doesn't mean that He's not making a way. God is not idle. He is working at the wheel. He's sitting at the wheel. And for Jeremiah in this moment to go to the potter's house and to see the potter there working intently. God is not distanced. He has not forsaken Israel. He has not forsaken you. He has not just rejected us and said, I want nothing to do with you. No, no, no. God is working at the will. He is working His ways in the world. He is onto it. I love this beautiful passage in Philippians 1.6. I am confident of this, Paul says, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, God is he begins the work, he doesn't forsake the work. He carries that work to completion. It might not look how we want it to look, it might not be what we thought it was going to be, but that doesn't mean that he's given up. It means that he is faithful to his call, he is true and he is not idle, he is working at the will. What an awesome way to start this message for Jeremiah in this season. And then the second thing we see, which is so beautiful, as we carry this on it says I saw him working at the wheel verse 4 but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands so the potter formed it into another pot shaping it as seemed best to him friends marred means it was messed up it was broken it wasn't what it was supposed to be you know, and Jeremiah in this moment is looking at the nation of Israel, a nation that God had called to be his people. He'd made this great promise to Abraham that I'll make your people like the, you know, the sand on the seashore, and I will you'll be a blessing to the nations. Israel carried such hope. Israel carried such promise about its nature and who it was in God. And in this moment, Jeremiah looks at the people of God, and He says, you are not who you are supposed to be. You're chasing after foreign gods. You're not faithfully following Him. Your hearts are not given over to God, but they're given over to all the things of the world. And He comes to God and He's like, they're not who they're supposed to be. And God shows Jeremiah, He says, yeah, 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 they're marred, they're broken. They're not what they're supposed to be. But guess what? They're still in my hands. Nothing is unsalvageable in the right Pair of hands. And the same is true of us. I came to speak some encouragement today. No matter where you're at and what you're going through, you might feel broken. You might feel messed up. You might feel like it's not all right with you. That you you know you're not where you should be with God. Or maybe it's someone dear and near to you that they're they're not who they should be. They're marred, they're broken. But God is saying to you, Hey, hey, if they're in my hand, it's okay. Nothing is unsalvageable in the right pair of hands. And this is true for all of us. We are all broken. We all come to a perfect God. We all come to the potter as marred pieces of clay. All of us do, but we're not unsalvageable. When we're in the Master's hand, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. You know, in year eight, ah, I couldn't salvage my bowl. It didn't matter what I was doing. I could not fix that thing no matter how hard I tried. I needed to give that bowl over to the Master. I need to actually give it over to the one who had the capacity to restore it and redeem it and return it. And here's what I love about this passage. You see, it says, "'But the pot he was shaping from the clay "'was marred in his hands, "'so the potter formed it into another pot.'" He formed it into another pot. You know, that Hebrew word there that formed is this beautiful Hebrew word called shub. Everyone say shub, not shu, shub. And what it means is actually to renew and restore, but not to what it was, to what its intended purpose was. So it's this awesome picture that the potter takes something And He says, I'm going to renew you. I'm going to repair you. But I'm actually not just going to fix the gap. I'm not just going to put some putty in the cracks. I'm not just going to do a little patch up job. What I'm going to do is I'm going to completely transform you back into your intended purpose. And God is showing Jeremiah here that with the nation of Israel, with everything they're about to go through, He's taking them, He's got them on the wheel and He is transforming them back into their intended purpose. Taking them back to who they were created to be. His people, beloved, devoted to Him. He's saying this is, the work that I'm doing. And the same is true for us in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, a new creation, a new pot. The old things have passed away behold all things have become new this is such a powerful word for us your flaws your brokenness your sin your shame your guilt God does not just patch it over so that he can then reveal it and show you that later on when things continue to fall no he takes that and he makes you a new creation all of that is gone as far as the east is from the West so far has God removed the sins from us he's making us new, all things new, new creation. That's who you are in Christ, completely restored, completely redeemed to your intended purpose to be a child of the Most High God, to be who He created you to be. This is the work that God is doing at the will. It is a transformative work. It is a restoring work. It is a new creation. I just came to encourage someone today, you're not who you were. You are who he's making you. You're not who you were, you are who he's making you. And it's time to start living in that. Stop looking over your shoulder reflecting on everything that's gone wrong. Stop looking over your shoulder and telling yourself you can't live as God has called you to live because you're living in that. Get out of the miry clay, get out of the filth and step into the future and the promise that God has for you in the full assurance of faith that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is who you are. That is who you are. New, it's a new pot. What a powerful promise. This is something so prophetic in this as well to Jeremiah about the nation of Israel and what he was going to do through the Messiah for the future and the establishment of his church. If we had time, we could get more and more into that. But there is a prophetic word here about the Messiah and what God is doing in that He is making all things new. He is going to, to, uh, to shoo the old covenant into the new covenant. He's going to take that old covenant in all its flaws. The fact that it is a shadow of what is to come, as it says in Hebrews, it's a shadow of the things. Uh, it's supposed to point us to the new covenant. God's saying, hey, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking my promise. I'm taking the old, I'm throwing it on the wheel and I'm moulding and transforming and I'm going to bring it into the fullness of the new covenant in Christ a new creation, or oh, that'll be my people. Everyone who calls on my name, everyone who by faith says Jesus Christ is Lord, everyone who bows their knee to the Saviour enters into the promise of Abraham. What an awesome promise. And here's the third thing that we see with the clay as we continue in verse four. So it says, He formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to Him. When I read that, I want to read that as seemed best to me. Anyone else? That's how I want to read that. Shaping it as seemed best to me. I want to hop on the wheel of the potter's, in the potter's house and I want to go to God and say, God, today, I want to be this. I want to be this majestic, magnificent masterpiece. And sometimes God says, actually, no, I don't want that for you. And sometimes we say, well, I want to I be this sort of bowl. And God says, no, no, I'm making you this. I want to be this sort of pot. No, no, I'm making you this. And the thing about clay is when clay gets thrown on that wheel, when clay gets shaped and formed by, by a potter, the clay actually has no choice. But here's the thing about us. We have a choice. God has given us free will. And the simple question is, will you submit to the potter's will? Do we come against God and press against him? You know I was as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Mr. Squiggle. Anyone remember Mr. Squiggle? And as a kid, Mr. Squiggle would be there and be do it. You'd get this Piece of art, and he'd have a few lines, and Mr. Squiggle would start drawing, and I remember being there just going, "What are you doing, Mr. Squiggle? If you do that line there, and that line there, and that line there, then you'd have this shape, and that's what you should do. You should do that, and it would have looked terrible. But so often, as you get frustrated with what Mr. Squiggle is doing, eventually you hear those words, "Upside down, upside down, upside down," and he spins it around. And you're like, "Whoa! How did he do that?" And it's this beautiful picture, but in the moment of forming that picture, it's confusing. And it looks weird, but the thing is, if Mr. Squiggle did what I wanted him to do, the picture would look nothing like it did in the end. And this is the same with God, is that He's working His masterpiece. He is working things out for our future and for our good, for His glory. And if we don't choose to submit to the Master, then we're going to end up in a mess. But when we bring our mess to the Master and say, hey, I'm yours... He'll put us through a process and we have to learn to trust the potter's process. We have to learn to submit to the potter's process. And while that process is difficult, it will work out for our future, for our good and for His glory. But the potter's process is a difficult process. You know, pottery isn't just a form of art. It is a a form of functional art. The purpose of pottery is to turn clay into a container. It's two things it is both beautiful but it is also entirely functional. You know pottery transformed the world in which we live. Pottery is the thing that brought about civilizations. Pottery enabled humanity to stop being nomadic. It enabled humanity to settle in one place. It enabled us to store things. It enabled us to carry water. It enabled us to go about... developing society because all of a sudden instead of just having to live hand to mouth, we started to be able to build around a a place of storage and pottery was the start of that. Pottery is incredibly functional in transforming civilizations, but it's also beautiful and priceless. And this is true of what God wants to do in us. He wants to take dirt. He wants to take clay. We are from dirt. Like we were made out of dirt. That's all we are. We're just the dust of the field here today, gone tomorrow. And yet God has chosen to breathe in us and bring life to us. And He's chosen to shape us and mould us in His image so that we might live according to His purpose. It is both beauty and purpose. It's you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the hands of a Creator, but He's doing it for a reason reason. But in order to fulfil that purpose and live in the fullness of what He's created us for, we have to trust ourselves to the potter's process. And I learned some things this week about the potter's process. I did some study on pottery, on ancient pottery, The things you find yourself doing when you're preaching. But here's what I learned. I learned when the ancient potters would, they didn't buy clay from the clay house that had been synthetically produced. No, do you know what they had to do? They had to get the shovel out and they had to dig up mud. They had to find clayey mud. They had to dig that thing up. And then what they had to do is they had to sit it to dry out for a long period of time. And as it dried out, when it got nice and hard, they would then put it in a tub or a container and then they would put seawater on it and it would sit in the water for ages until it had all broken down and all the lumps and all the hard stuff, everything that wasn't refined and good would settle and then it would sieve it out and you'd end up with this thing called slip. And then they would take that out and they would dry that and then they would tread that underfoot. It would get beaten down and then it would be pulled together and sat for another day six months, an extended period of time where it would start to form into the plasticity and be able to be moulded by the potter. And I learnt something fascinating. I learnt that a good potter could tell the difference between clay that had been refined for usefulness and mud. You see, just a lump of mud, when it had not gone through that refining process but would be left out in the sun, that mud would stiffen and become hard But the clay, when it was left out in the sun for a while, instead of hardening to the sun, it would actually soften to the sun. And I think the same is true for us. Mark told us a few weeks ago that we need to tilt ourselves towards the sun, S-O-N. The same is true with the clay. God will, the, the clay that has been refined will find itself softening to the S-O-N, not just the S-U-N. And we, when we allow ourselves to go through that refining process, when we allow ourselves to be, uh, be sat for a while and we allow ourselves to be sick, a sieved for a while. We will find that as we soften to the sun, then finally we're able to be used by the master, used by the potter to shape into his purpose and glory. And you know what else I discovered? I discovered that when you're going to make a pot, the reason why my elephant broke is because I hadn't got the bubbles out. I hadn't worked it enough. I hadn't got the weak parts out. I hadn't really. And the only way you get the weak parts out is by kneading that thing. And so what a potter does is he actually takes that clay and it seems forceful and it seems rough. And we're like, oh, that's not nice. He gets his mallet and he starts to literally bash the clay and push the clay and stress the clay so that the the air bubbles would be removed so that the clay becomes functional, so that the clay can do what it was created to do. And if we don't stretch it, if it's not pushed, if it's not needed, then that clay is useless in the hands of the potter. And sometimes we too need to be needed and pressed and pushed and prodded. And we don't like it. And our tendency is to say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out. But if we submit ourselves to the potter's process and allow him to do what he wants to do, as is pleasing to him, then all of a sudden we become someone who can be moulded and shaped into the likeness of Christ to fulfil the very purpose for which we were created. Because then he's going to put us on the wheel. (laughs) And if the needy, the sieving and then the kneading and the prodding wasn't enough, all of a sudden the foot goes down, and the wheel starts to spin. I don't know about you, I don't like being on roller coasters, I don't like spinning very much, I don't even like the spinning swing at Hannah. it makes me feel sick in my stomach. But the potter would spin us, the potter would cause us again to go through some stuff in life, but not to tease, not to hurt, not to harm, but so that we can be shaped and moulded and sculpted into something so much more than just a lump of clay to become this vessel that carries the very treasures of God. But then there's a final process. Do you know what a potter has to do? After all of that, a potter has to take that newly sculpted piece of art and they have to put it in the fire and they have to put it in the kiln and it gets heated and it goes through incredibly hot temperatures so that a chemical reaction of transformation can occur and guess what the word that artists use, that potters use to describe this when the pot comes out. They call it mature. Mature. Isn't that incredible? It reminds me of James chapter 1, verse 2. If I'm going to read from the amplified version, because this is so good. It says, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity. Someone say maturity, maturity. and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result And do a thorough work. I love that. A thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. Friends, it is not until the vessel. Goes through all four phases that it can be mature. It is not until the vessel is sifted, stretched, spun, and then put through the kiln that it becomes the vessel that it was created to be. Not just beautiful, but strong. And do you know what else I learned? The final, well, I've learned lots of things this week, but this one was awesome in that when archaeologists are, are doing their digs of ancient civilizations, do you know what the one thing that they find more than anything else is? Pottery. Isn't that amazing? It's pottery, it's not bones, it's not this other stuff. The thing that lasts, the thing that has stood the test of time, the thing that has survived the storms of generations is not human remains it's pottery. It's something that has been tested and tried that has gone through the fire. And as it's gone through the fire, it has been, may become so strong, so mature that it doesn't matter what history has thrown at it. It remains as a beacon of the story that was. It tells the story from ancient times because it has survived those ancient times. It survived history because of the process that it went through. And same with us. If we would trust ourselves to the potter's process, If we would submit to the spinning wheel, if we would give ourselves to God and say, Not my will, but your will be done. If we would actually entrust ourselves to Him, stop fighting the potter, stop saying, I want to be this, I have to do it my way. If we'd say, God, have your way in me no matter what comes, what I'm going through, we will find that through that refiner's fire, we will rise up and we will be a beacon of light to the world. We will be that jar of clay that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. We'll have treasures in jars of clay. His treasure, the glorious Gospel of light, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. God would say, I see fit to put that treasure in this jar, in this vessel, in this pot, because this pot is strong. This pot has been fearfully and wonderfully made and crafted by the hands of a Creator for a purpose of carrying that treasure to a world that so desperately needs it. Friends, we have to submit. We've got to learn to trust the potter's process and as we give ourselves to the potter's process then all of a sudden God can begin to use us and do immeasurably and abundantly more than we ever hoped or imagined in our lives but if we fight the potter all we ever are is a lump of clay and we might be comfortable sitting there in the cold dark recesses of the earth but that's not who we were created to be. We were created by a living God for a living purpose. 1 Peter 1 verse 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while if necessary, you have been grieved by your various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want my life to result in praise and glory and honour for the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what I want my life to be because that's the only thing that lasts. I want my life to be that piece of pottery that years from now reveals the story of Christ that generations to come would see that piece of clay tested, stretched, refined and fired and say, look at Jesus and what He has done in the world and give their lives to Him. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to close, but I've got one last point for us. Verse five and six, And the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Friends, Jeremiah is downcast. Jeremiah is prophesying doom. He knows the nation is in trouble, but God is saying, Hey, Jeremiah, can I not do to Israel what the potter's doing right here? And what he's saying is, Hey, Jeremiah, guess what? It might be marred, it might be broken, it might not look how it's supposed to look, but take heart, hold on to hope. Why? Because it's still in my hand. It might be a mess, but it's in the Master's hand. And here's the truth, God does not discard what He has designed He doesn't just throw it out. He doesn't take your life and say you're too far gone and throw it on the heap and starting. No, He takes your life when you submit it to Him and He says, right, let me get to work. And it might be difficult, but you're in the Master's hands. And if we trust ourselves to the Master's hands, then we will be transformed. Then we will be shaped. And we need to understand that we are a work in progress. The people you're praying for, your children, your parents, your grandparents, your children's children. They're a work in progress. Take heart, take hope, keep praying, keep believing because they're in the Master's hand. They might be a mess, but if they're in the Master's hands, they're gonna become a masterpiece. And you have gotta believe that and you have gotta keep praying for that. And God is speaking to Jeremiah and He's saying, hey, can't I do to Israel what this pot is doing? Can't I reform them? Can't I reshape them? Yes, they're gonna go through some things, but take heart, Jeremiah, because I've got them. Don't despair, Jeremiah, because I've got them and I've got you and in Christ, He's got you and He's got your future. You are in the Master's hands. Second Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being what? Transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You might be marred, but God is not finished. He's not finished. You're a work in progress. You have not arrived. I have not arrived. Mark has not arrived. The Pope has not arrived. Whoever your ministry hero, Christian hero is, they have not arrived. Your grandparent has not arrived. No one has arrived until we stand with Christ on that final day in the fullness of His work in us. It is finished on the cross, but we're being sanctified until the resurrection. It is finished on the cross. The work is done. We're justified. We can hold on to that hope. We can trust in that, which is why we can have hope. The cross means we're in the Master's hands, friends. The fact that Jesus says it is finished means, hey, it's finished. I put you in the Master's hands. But the sanctifying work goes on. So trust yourself to Him. Know that you are a work in progress. Hold on to hope, friends. Hold on to hope. Can I encourage you today? Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't get downcast. Don't throw in the towel. God hasn't thrown in the towel on you. When you came to Him as a marred, broken vessel, He didn't say, oh, bad luck and chuck you out. No, no, no. He threw you on the wheel. He threw you back on the wheel and He put His hands on you and He started shaping and moulding you. So keep praying. Keep submitting to the Master. Even when it's hard, submit to the Master because He knows what's good for you. And my prayer for us as a church is that is who we would be. We'd be a church defined by the fact that we submit to the Master. That we put ourselves on the wheel and say, have Your way, Lord. Because it's there, it's there, it's there that we become the vessel that He's created us to be. I will not boast in anything, but in my weakness, that the power of God might be made manifest. I don't know about you, I wanna be on the wheel. I want our church to be on the wheel. And I wanna boast in that. I wanna boast that I'm not finished. I wanna boast that I'm marred. I'm a mess, but I'm in the Master's hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a mess, but I'm in the Master's hands. I want to tell you right now, you are too. You're a mess, but you're in the Master's hands. You're not being splattered all over the room like my piece of clay in Year 8, 1996, Mrs. Harden. Nuh-uh, you're in the Master's hands. There's no better place to be. When you're stretched, He's got you. When you're pressed, He's got you. When you're struggling, He's got you. When you're broken, He's got you. When you're on your knees, He's got you. When you don't see a way, He's got you. When you feel faithless, He is faithful. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. And that's worth celebrating. And that's worth reminding each other of. You're a mess, but you're in the Master's hands. Stand to your feet. And we're going to sing this chorus and bridge a few times, I think. We're going to have a bit of ministry time. I felt the Lord really pressing on my heart just to spend some time in prayer today. I know it might seem weird online, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to believe that God's going to speak and speak some words. And so I'm actually going to just invite uh, other people, Mark, Ben, if you feel as we spend some time here that God's given you a word, then feel free to come forward and share that. But I want to invite you to stand to your feet, close your eyes wherever you are, and let's just give God some glory for a moment. Loving Heavenly Father, We thank You for Jeremiah 18, 1-6. What an awesome promise to a faithful servant about a faithless nation. They're marred, but they're in my hands. Can I not do to this nation what I do to this clay? And Lord, we declare, yes, You can. And we say, do it in us. We acknowledge that we are marred, that we are broken, that we are a bit busted up. But we want to put ourselves on the spinning wheel of the Master Potter and we want to trust that not only will You hold us, but You would actually remake us, You will reform us, You will make us a new creation. You will shoo us into the intended purpose for which we were created. We love You, Lord. Thank You for Your faithfulness and Your goodness. Thank You, Jesus. Father, I pray right here, right now in this moment that You would awaken and embolden in people, passions that they once held very dear, kingdom desires that they were once chasing and have since given up. I feel like You're breathing them back to life today. God, we've settled because it's just been easier. Father, I pray that you would, yeah, just enliven those dreams again, that people would hop back on the wheel and say, hey, you put this in me. I want you to shape it again. Shape it again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yes, Lord, we love You. We praise You. I feel like there's relationships. People who've been waiting for God for a promised relationship and you've given up. God gave you a promise a long time ago that He was going to bring the right person into your life you've given up, God says, hey, I'm faithful. I'm true. Keep praying. Keep believing. Don't settle for second best. Do not settle for second best because it's there. No, dive into me. I know what I have for you. I know what I have for you. And it's better than this. It's better than this. You deserve a man whose heart is after God, not after the world. You've got to let that thing go. You've got to trust the potter's process because He's making something beautiful. Don't get off the wheel too early. Do not get off the wheel too early. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing for a bit